I think that's brilliant. I think that's a hundred percent the way that travel should be planned is around NASCAR and F1. <laughs> is there anything going on in Israel that could attract you to come? In May? Um, yes, sponsorship would be great. <laughs> um, it's peanuts. I, I don't have peanuts. that capability. He's come on travel peso uh, probation. Oh <laughs> yeah, you're only getting four hundred thousand pesos to travel this year. Exactly, that's one trip. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, Israel will be fun. That's that's right, Joe. You've got that coming up. You're going with yeah. Barb. I would I'm going, love yeah. to go. I would Barb's love to. going. Danielle Monahan's going. Got a whole a whole crew. That's going to be a blast. Yeah. yeah, Tel Aviv. It's a bucket list place for me. Yeah, for sure. I've not been. Oh, so it's not too late, Chris. I know it's not too late. I'm. I just uh, need a little sponsorship and. <laughs> I think you it's should a, put it out there. I've had a lot of I've had a lot of personal travel lately. <laughs> Tra- yeah, travel's looking weird. We just went through our calendar here at the house last night, mm-hmm. and I was looking at conferences and work trips and what like what's coming up. And starting yeah. in March, we're basically screwed. I mean, it's the entire like it it just kicks off and it doesn't stop. It's it's and not it as bad happen. as it was pre pandemic, but we're it's getting close. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, mine looks, this is the quiet period. So I'm trying to use that time to just do some planning. My counterpart and I are like, you know, full in on let's like, we're literally holding up in DC and, and like, you know, charting the course of, you know, what will be the future. Not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be closing on a house in about two weeks. So I know. That's so when's the party at the at the new house, Jerry? I, I have I have trouble figuring out how I'm going to actually move. So it's you know <laughs> you gotta wait until I actually get there. But I have I have moved about 50 bottles of wine to oh. a safe place within a block. Wait a minute, oh. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you are if you have ever been on a call with Jerry, a virtual call, or you have watched this podcast before, I'm gonna do this really quickly. Look at Jerry's background. Where are all the where are all the things that are that hang up on the walls exactly. and the Andy's stuff? And oh where, my where, God. where did it go? What? It's pulling back up there full screen. Oh, he's oh, and ready. Oh my gosh. Wow. He's ready to go. Not the Jerry we're used to. <laughs> What's happening? Right. Yep. The one we need, oh, but not the one we deserve. This is- Right. This is this is obsessive compulsive behavior here. Oh my gosh! All right, so we're go- we're going to talk today, Chris. I'm so glad to have you. We're going to talk today about what leaders should be looking for, talent acquisition professionals should be watching for. Are we ready to get started? Let's do this. All right, let's do it. Let's jump in. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. All right, everybody, I want to welcome to another episode. Uh, this is actually episode 356 uh, of the Recruiting Community Podcast. I'm Chris Hood. I'm your host today. Uh, and we are welcoming you to just sit down and chat with us for about 15 or 20 minutes. We do these in snackable bites. We pull in TA leaders, practitioners, folks in the space that we just love and adore. We've got one of those on today. 
uh, to talk about what's top of mind for them and what's what's going on that we think that you should know about. A couple of things that you should know, I'm going to type below in the live chat. If you are with us on, uh, I think, a couple of different channels, if you're with us on Facebook, uh, YouTube, if you're with us on LinkedIn, there should be a live chat piece there. You can say hello. Uh, you can throw in your LinkedIn profile. You can just do whatever you want in there and well, don't do whatever you want, but you can do some stuff in there. And if you've got questions for our guests today, uh, we'll go ahead and throw them up on the screen for you. You can check that out uh, so you can interact with us directly and we'll put them up on the screen uh, if appropriate uh, and make sure that you get a chance to connect with everybody and talk. A couple of things I want to remind everybody of. If you or someone that you know in the space is looking for work as a recruiter, CXR.work slash jobs, uh, we pull all of our member companies, about 100 or so member companies, we pull their systems for recruiting jobs. So if you're looking for a recruiting role or you've got people in your space that you know have been impacted and you want to share that with them at cxr.works slash jobs, uh, and we'd encourage you to spread the word uh, and let some folks know there are still some organizations out there that are hiring for TA talent. We're going to talk about a couple of other things today, but before we do that, I want to welcome everybody out of the green room. Jerry, welcome to the show. How are you? And a pleasant good morning to you. Good to see you, my man. And of course, we have the lovely and talented, the always amazing Chris Everill. Top of the morning to y'all. How are you, Chris? I'm great. How about y'all? Wonderful. We're doing Excellent. wonderful. Look, before we jump in really quickly, Chris, why don't, for those who may not know you, why don't you kind of give us that escalator pitch of who is Chris Everill, uh, what you do over at Oracle, and why should we be listening to what you have to say? That part, I'm not sure I have an answer for. But, you got it. But my name is Chris Avrilla. Uh, I am with uh, with Oracle, uh, head of product strategy for uh, Oracle Cloud HCM, specifically around the talent side. So um, that's a it's a cool role. It's like half kind of internally focused on um, what are our investment strategies. Um, how do we connect that with our marketing and sales messaging, our partner strategies, our um, product development, product management, um, and all of our customer success organizations. And then the other half of it is advocacy and advisory for our customers. Um, and when I say advocacy, it's like kind of being the voice of the customer, um, you know, for our investment strategies, just what they ask for, but actually listening to what their problems are and their challenges and what they need, what the art of the possible is with our technology. And the other side is advisory. And that's how do you apply it to kind of get those outcomes? that you're trying to get. So it's a super cool role for somebody like me that came out of HR, IT, research, advisory, can't find my place in the world, still trying to solve really big problems around work, workforce, workplace. And and uh, I think this is a cool place to do it. So I, I think yeah. you're in the perfect spot because yeah. for, for a very long time before you land in this spot, you were always the person to talk to about what are you seeing What's mm -hmm. going on in the in this space, and that's sort of what we're going to talk about today yeah. a little bit, which is kind of why we invited you in. Uh, okay. We don't have to talk about that; we can get a little crazy. People in the feed might drop, but that's okay. okay. Uh, what 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 do you talk? I mean, there's been a lot of talk about what's going on in the space. Jerry mentioned the other day that I think Jerry, you sat in on a session about how holograms are going to be big for recruiting. Now, I'm scratching my head with that one. Uh, we're hearing a lot about learning and development. Uh, we're hearing a lot about, uh, we were talking about this before the show started, survivor's guilt with a lot yeah. of these leaders in the TA space, people that are really struggling. Yeah. Is there anything sort of top of mind for you, Chris? Like when we say what what should TA professionals know right now, like what, what comes to mind for you that, that you would want to share? 
You know, to me, I think helping organizations think about talent holistically, right, and accessing talent versus just acquiring talent. You know, we've kind of, um, especially in TA, I think, you know, have been the the go-to for solving all the problems of an organization, Um, you know, whether that's attrition, whether that's, you know, uh, growth, whether that's a shift in something, you know, all of a sudden it's just like we need more, better, faster, more, better, faster, Instead of really looking at how do we access talent, um, which goes beyond just jobs and roles and really talking about skills and capabilities. But I think that goes into how do you be a talent advisor? I think TA has always been uniquely positioned to see what's going on in an organization in a lot of realms and don't use that power, that knowledge, that insight, that experience, um, you know, whether they're being asked to or not, or whether they just insert themselves. And so I think especially now, you know, as things shift and, and change, um, the people that can do that, that can look at things holistically, um, are positioned best, honestly. So I, I want to be, okay, so I like to be the devil's advocate here. Love it. But, but I, oh my God, the, the term talent advisor. Yeah. Like, seriously, how, how long? How long are we going to be trying to make recruiters or a level of recruiter into some sort of talent advisor? And and are we seeing any organizations that are really crushing that? Because I know we occasionally hear a story about how we transformed into talent advisors and they're better partners in the organization. And I don't disagree with that. But is that really still the kind of the holy grail of, of recruiting opportunity for us? Um. If I take the terminology out of it, because I, I get torqued up with terms and not just what don't say war on talent. Just don't I'm say not, war. I'm not. Not going to happen. <laughs> because it sounds like we're like creating war on people. That's yeah. not okay. Like I, you know, to me, look, no matter what the issue is in an organization, you're not going to solve it without people, right? It's, you know, uh, nine times out of 10. I don't care if it's supply chain issues or the obvious labor and skill shortages, you know, um, whether it's trust, whether it's, you know, I mean, the the DEIB, the, the host of issues that organizations are faced with. I don't know how you don't do it without people. So, you know, to me, who's looking at that holistically, right? How we take people, get the best of them to, oh, that's awesome. What a professional. Love that. My the friend. sound effects abound on our show. <laughs> exactly. Very important, as you can see. (laughs) But no, I do think that, you know, like who's kind of looking at at all of that and how work, workforce, workplace is, you know, is kind of harmonized to to do that. Right. To serve the stakeholders, serve, you know, fix the problems, address the issues, whatever. So who's looking at that holistically? Who's looking at what we have internally, what's external, how they can, you know, help unlock the performance and potential of the organization. Like who's looking at that? So call it what you will. It doesn't really matter who's going to do it, who's going to step up and go, you know what? Um, These folks have the skills and capabilities to do that. And they're right here or they're over there or whatever. Look at the work, look at the people. And so who's going to do that? Okay, so I, so I'm going to ask a question to both of you, right? Because mm-hmm. we've all been doing this a while. Yeah, Jerry gets double credit. 
So, so the, my que- my question is like, how how far backwards do you think we are? How far how far of a setback do you think we're going to see now with all of these incredible layoffs? We've got all of this incredible recruiting talent that's that's looking for work. Tech industry hit harder than any other, right? Certainly, certainly in the headlines, we're seeing a lot of that. We know a lot of people that are looking for work or trying to help their people. They're going to outsource look for work. How, how do you think that impacts the more strategic? approach to recruitment as a, as a recruiting partner, as a partner of the business? Do you think, you think it's a big setback or do you think this is, we'll be fine in six months when everybody goes, Oh shit, we shouldn't have laid off so many recruiters. <laughs> uh, you know, I think if I go back to the the overall problem, it's, you know, regardless of the situation we're in, you know, we keep trying to, you know, react and look backwards instead of kind of looking forwards. Right. And I think, you know, I think the companies and the people that are trying to solve for this stuff, the ones who will win are the ones that are kind of absorbing the change and taking advantage of it. And, and as quickly as possible um, that, that scales and, and, and using and doing it intelligently, you know um, which I think is, is really how data and technology kind of comes into play here. How do we take all of this and go, okay, um, you know, this is, we're dealing with what we're dealing with now. What? Right. And I think, you know, I think the people that can do that the quickest to solve for that is you still got to know what the work is and you still got to know how that is going to get done. That work is going to get done. And it's not always right. Pure jobs and roles. So the more I think we think about skills and capabilities, because, you know, the shelf life of the skill, it just keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. And when nobody understands the work so who's just going to step up and do it like because nobody actually quote owns that right the thing that that hits me though about what you're saying chris is two mm-hmm. things one is that willingness to step up yes isn't an easy skill no. for me to teach someone else because right. embedded in that is the attitude that i'm willing to take the risk that I'm wrong, that people, that I'm going to offend people, that I'm going to whatever. I can teach them to speak more, you know, uh, creatively, effectively uh, from their perspective, rather than rather than do it in a way that they're going to offend someone else. But yeah. the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> unless we hire people yeah. who are um, not risk averse, right. We will. We're never going to execute on on change. We're never going to influence, as you pointed out, influence. Have a voice that influences our peers and colleagues, uh, because we do have access to a lot of insights and data and and uh, points of view, both internal and external, that be very useful for most of our businesses. Yeah. But most people, most of our peers, are often afraid to to. Um, talk about that except to their closest friends yeah. and um, and we need to be able to be much more um, able to step up if you will well I think that's an excellent point and I and I can just tell you from my perspective how I've always managed that because um, I'm pretty clear that I don't have the answers right um, I I I know I don't have the answers. I mean, this whole notion of experts and gurus and all that stuff, right? I I know I don't have the answers, but I know I'm totally willing to find it, right? So I do think you have to learn um, how to manage that risk, right? Mm-hmm. And and what's kind of a good 
um, risk reduction methodology of stuff you aren't sure about is really kind of a design thinking approach, right? Okay. And and mm-hmm. so to me, it's how I go about it, not that I have answers. And so I think when we release ourselves from the responsibility of being experts with all the answers, that we're way ahead of the game because then it becomes how do we how do we find that? How do we facilitate that? How do we master the art of figuring out who needs to kind of be in the room to help solve for it? Um, it, I think learning to ask questions, um, so that you can kind of get to the heart of things, um, and, and understanding it's not kind of input process output, right? Here's the eight steps to get here and it's super linear and it always works. It's not, that's not how things work anymore. Right. So I think it's really like, what questions do I need to ask? What outcomes am I trying to get? And in the middle of that is flow and you have to kind of. So what I'm what I'm hearing is that we need a masterclass from you in how to step up without getting fired. And that and that that probably has some real value for a lot of people out there by and large have good thoughts, but you know, they only whisper them in your ear. They don't really tell the right people, here's what we need to do from my my honest perspective. Or let's get in a room and figure it out together. And I'll, I'll, I'll own it. I'll facilitate this, but you know, let's just, let's just sit down, figure it out. Who does this touch? Who's, where's the pain more? Um, But I do, I think if I look at what I've tried to do is it's always been a little bit of a design, design thinking approach, get the right people together. Tap, Chris, you know, Chris, I think we've got a, a, another masterclass. Uh, so I look, I, pre- I appreciate what Jerry's talking about. But as a, as a reminder, I'm just going to interject this as a reminder yeah. here. Uh, we, we launched a new learning series last week. We did it on the Kennedy Experience Day uh, last week due to partner with HR.com. We did a partnership yeah. with Talent Board, the Kennedy Experience Awards. Uh, and it's a series of, of various classes. Yeah. The first one we launched was Foundations of the Candidate Experience. We did that with uh, Elaine Orler, Ed mm-hmm. Newman, obviously Jerry, Jerry Crispin on here, uh, and of course, Kevin Grossman, who's president yeah. of Talent Board, but the other three being the founders of Talent Board. Yeah. And it's free. Today is the last day that you can register to take it. It's open to absolutely anybody. You don't have to finish yeah. it today. You can take it today. But it does it does sort of bring up uh, the topic or, or sort of approach the topic both of you are talking about is this need for more learning like yeah. a collaborative sort of learning yeah. experience, right? Yeah. And so it, is that the type of course you think, Chris, that somebody, or what kind of course, somebody should sit through or that should go through in order to sort of maybe become less risk averse in your opinion? Yeah, because I think it's just trying to take charge of that risk. All, all design thinking really is, is a risk reduction methodology for some complex business problems you haven't solved for yet, right? So I think if you do take that kind of approach that it, you know, like you you kind of start, you know, because it's all about, right, what, you know, what's desirable, right? What's feasible? What can we actually do? And what's viable? What can we actually, you know, kind of implement? And, you know, without um, losing profitability or at least getting the value out of the, the costs that we're at, employing. At least doing so, this, Chris, we would test the notion of nature nurture, whether or not whether or not we can 
nurture more folks who can step up or whether, you know, it's just, they, they just are born and to not, to not step up, you know, uh, and I, I hate to think that that's true to some degree. The, the step let's up. Just, let's just by trying to yeah. get some folks to do that. I like it. It's a, it's a choice because I do think that you do need people that, want the structure and like, here's, here's how we do this. But then we need, you know, we kind of need people that are willing to get in and solve the problem. And I think the biggest barrier to that is just releasing responsibility of, of having all the answers and doing that, you know, that kind of linear type of approach, but, you know, um, we still need people to execute once we make some decisions, once we find, you know, proofs of concept and need to scale it out. Like there's no wrong answer here. It's taking the path that you're most comfortable with um, and want to go on. But I, but I hear I hear elements within what you're saying, Chris. I hear elements mm -hmm. of ego. So it, do you think part of that is for leadership, like leadership letting go of a couple of, you know, a couple of notions that they're supposed to have all the answers or that they're not right. supposed to make a mistake? you know, that sort of thing? Is there, is there a piece of that? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, cause think about what we're saying, right. Um, and the way things have always been since the kind of, I don't know what industrial revolution is really management and leadership was about command and control. Um, you have all the answers, you tell people what to do, how to do it. Here's the process. And, and this really is a fundamental shift. And, you know, we've been talking about the future of work and uh, workforce and workplace for a long time. But how much have we talked about that future of management and leadership? And I do think it's a very, very different model. And it's more of a commitment and collaboration with somebody who's going to solve the problems. And you're helping them, you know, with, you know, what are the questions? What are the outcomes? You know, maybe you're still telling people what those outcomes are. Um, why we want to get there, really connect them to those outcomes, but they get to figure out how and you support them in how that's done, making sure they have the right information, the right tools to make decisions and take action, um, that you're supporting that, that effort. And so it is more of a commitment and collaboration. So it sounds kind of soft and, and fluffy. Um, I do think it's a high empathy model. It's you now kind of work for them and you, you know, you're just in charge of helping them um, uncover uh, and unlock their potential performance. But it's also a high accountability model, right? You hold people accountable to outcomes, not yes. steps, right? And so I do think it's a, it's a different mindset. But I think the leaders that will make it are the ones I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. Uh, you know, Ooh. obviously, as someone who's described himself always as a lifelong student rather yeah. than anything else, I, I'm convinced that that kind of approach and attitude yeah. bears more in the long yeah. run. However, my experience of leaders out there is that servant leadership is not usually high on their agenda. Right. So you know. And that's certainly the challenge for, you know, for somebody like me and my team is how do we develop the kinds of, of tools and technology and insights that might help that shift organically, right? Yeah. That isn't some big top down, like, okay, we have to, you know, reinvent everything, but how do you kind of absorb change, see data, see technology, have tools that can help people solve for that to start to build different habits, yep. right? Um, and I do think that's a little bit of the, the challenge on, uh, you know, on companies like I think ours. you're also telling, 
what I'm hearing also from you is the power of a collective voice. Right. It's yeah. not just you. Yes. It's it's your willingness to engage other stakeholders in the process. Right. And then collectively, if we, you know, in terms of executing on the out foreign outcome, right. um, we're more likely to achieve that if we do it on a collective basis. And I'm Absolutely. I'm convinced that you're right about that. Well, but well, another call out for that too. I I agree. Another call out for that too is habits are just repetition. Yeah. So you're not just talking about stepping out of your comfort zone, right? We're yeah. talking about leaders stepping out of their comfort zone again and again and again until it yeah. becomes sort of second nature in how they lead. Miranda, which goes back to that kind of speed, scale, and intelligence, right? Yeah. What What are we doing to give them the confidence to do that? Like again, you know, part of that voice is listening, right? So. That's where technology can come into play. It can take all of this input and data and, and find patterns and trends and give suggestions and recommendations and guidance that aren't necessarily the answers either, but give you at least something to think about well, as you try to make decisions. It's, it's also the specifics of very often many of the recruiters in a team are often isolated from one another working on their own recs Absolutely. or whatever it might be, especially at the lower levels. And what you're saying tells me that we really need to spend more time with them working collectively on other kinds of issues, potentially peer-related issues yeah. that that contribute to, yeah. to the work when they are alone doing stuff. Right. But but especially at this point where we've lost right. a number of folks and there is a little bit of survivor's guilt among those recruiters who are left, yeah. but, but I mean, we, we need to ensure they have the opportunity to talk to one another, to engage one another, uh, and move on and stay focused on on those outcomes right that yeah. like we have to help solve um you know i i get the whole notion of of survivor's guilt right but right now we have big problems to solve and i think even people that have had to to leave you know that's the thing they need to start focusing on on, on what's next how can i help somebody else so you know how can a I great bring case for moving from networking to real community as as in a collective what? way, yeah. which I love. Really? <laughs> well, I, but I think we're, I mean, we know what the next round of big questions are going to be, or at least part of those questions are going to be leaders next is capacity models again. Yeah. Like, we know that, like, we're already seeing leaders talking about moving either, you know, more into RPOs or more. We've got a current survey open with our membership now where a lot of leaders and getting those results in over the last week or so where they're talking about when when this is done and we get back to whatever our new business as usual is supposed to be, uh, we're thinking of having more contract recruiters versus full-time recruiters. Or we're actually going to push some work out to RPO yeah. so that we have the ability to flex again when we have bad people planning or market crashes or whatever. So I think that's a big piece of it. Do you think contract recruiters are going to uh, increase in the sense of, of uh, hiring, when when we have the opportunity, we can hire back. Um, instead yeah. of hiring back full time, we'll hire back more a higher percentage of contract. I, I think that's an I think that's a distinct possibility, right? I do. I think no matter what, um, the ability to flex um, from an organizational side, but but absolutely from from, you know, as as a person doing it or leading it side, we have to look at it that way, right? And we have to get down to, you know, again, what are the problems that we're going to solve? 
Do I need to do it on a full-time basis? Do I need to go to yeah, RPO? That's a balance However issue. it is, right? I think the people that can leverage technology and data best um, and stay focused on the outcomes, you know, then we're just talking about structures at that point. Of course, point. Miranda is saying yes. I, I can't imagine why, but- I can't but, imagine. <laughs> hey, Miranda, I can't imagine why. <laughs> but I do think that that's, I think- Look, frankly, we have to look at that no matter what business function, what we're doing is that we have to get down to a place where it's not always going to be jobs and roles constantly. We have to look at the work that needs to be done and we have to look at the skills and capabilities to do that. And it's always going to be a constant, you know, um, you know, like maybe an architecture type of role, right? Where you're trying to figure out how do I access the talent I need? That talent could be machines. Machines are a part of our workforce now. They have skills and capabilities that are different from humans, right? We have to look at it from different worker types. Um, and we have to do the best that we can um, to kind of provide that balance of cost, meaning, and value to get the work done with the skills and capabilities to do that. I do think so you, you make a great point, Chris, but I, I don't mm -hmm. think we get to that until a new wave of this. I think this technology piece totally. really starts to get like, get a foothold within right. recruiting because and otherwise we, we don't change. You got to kick us in the ass. We don't change. Absolutely. Everybody has to start thinking like this. Like none of us have the um, luxury, I think of self-identifying in just a role. Like I can't be just a recruiter, like how, or I can't be just a software engineer. I like, what are my skills and capabilities and how can they be applied? Like that's a different mindset for even workers. But I do think the tech is coming in and the data is coming in that can help everybody virtually, whether you're in, in, in some type of a human resources role or some type of a, um, you know, manager leader role or just a worker role, like getting down to that level of data because um, we've been making jobs and we've been making decisions, whether it's for ourselves as an organization on jobs and roles forever and ever. And, and it's not serving us in a world that's moving so quickly anymore. So I think you're exactly right. We just have to get down to that data level and thinking like that. But, you know, the, the data and the tech is there to start giving us insights to do so. So it's not only that we access talent, but the talent that we have must access, must in a transparent way, be able to access the data that can best inform them about the decisions they need to, to make. That's exactly. That's and I'll take it point. one step further. Like I think as a worker, we're accessing experiences and skills and capabilities, right? And when we start thinking that way, we release ourselves from, I can only do this job, right? Um, and I do think as, as these generations are coming forward and becoming a larger and larger part of the workforce, it's a little more natural for them because they're kind of like, I'm over here, I'm over here, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And they're, and they're acquiring and accessing experiences um, that do that too. So I do think, you know, I think the shifts are happening, um, you know, even in the workforce too. And, and we're watching the data and we're seeing all this, you know, bizarre kind of changes, but but really, if you kind of break it down, that's what they're doing. They're accessing experiences and finding their own journey and agency to apply it, right? Because um, yeah, let me, it's a, it's it's behavior. long. I can't I can't put it in an overlay because it's super long. But let me read it to you. So Miranda again, uh, and we love you, Miranda. Creating efficiencies and seeing trends that may be missed without analyzing data, but leveraging data and tech to the point of foregoing the human experience does not work 
in the long run. Well, that's that's interesting, but I think the key in what in what Miranda's saying is is efficiencies, right? I mean, that that's when we're still trying to do kind of incremental change, and none of this that we're talking about is is incremental change. So, um, I do think you have to analyze the data. Um, I do think you have to to look at the patterns and trends. But remember, if you if you're not staying focused on outcomes and kind of asking the right questions to do that, which is part of that analyzing data. And because data tells a lot of different stories, but it doesn't tell you why. So you kind of got to look at it that way. But if you're trying to solve for stuff we haven't solved for before, um, incremental change and efficiencies and getting rid of waste, and that's just not going to work. What we're talking about is thinking in completely different ways. And that's, well, that's like the, that's, that's actual innovation, right? Um, using the innovation word, but, um, but I would, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't disagree with what Miranda's saying, but we're not. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, right. Uh, yeah. Focus on learning. Uh, comfort always be and, learning. Co- always comfort be and, and risk. Yep. A, what would the ABL always be learning? Uh, and then we've got um, community, yeah. right. For benefit. Right. Big piece there. Commitment collaboration. Yeah. With that community, right. That like when we say community, that's what we're trying to do is a commitment and collaboration to outcomes. And leveraging change. Focus on outcomes. Yep. And then leveraging that change because it's coming. We just don't often in the recruiting space. I don't think we don't often take those things and really implement them to our own advantage. Absolutely. And so I think the easiest way I've just used, told people to think about it is like, again, not input process output. It's like questions, outcomes. And in that middle is flow. It's not process anymore. Mm-hmm. It's what, what actions do we take? What decisions are we making that get us from those questions to those outcomes? And I think as long as you kind of take that approach, I think it's the safer bet these days. I love it. Chris, let me ask you uh, if you were going to write a book today on this topic, right? What we're talking about, what would the title of the book be? Oh my God. What would the title be? Um, absorption. Absorption. Yeah. How do we, how do we kind of take all of the, you know, the change that we have that's coming at us left and right, good or bad, doesn't matter. And how do we harness it and, and bring it to our advantage? Um, and how do we do it quickly? Um, at scale. Okay. And and you can't say you can't say us. We're banning that response to the next question. But who gets the first signed copy? Oh, first person that asks. <laughs> you heard it now. If you're in live chat, you better do it now. You're doing. Get it out there. Who types fastest? I love that. Chris, we are super grateful for your time today. Thanks for joining us for a quick chat. Just just we know you're so busy and we're, and we're glad you were here. I'm always happy for this. Love it. All right. Great. I'm going to put you in the green room. Don't go anywhere yet. Okay. Uh, so, so hang out. Okay. There we go. All right. And really quickly, Jerry, I know we want to talk about this a little bit. I'm going to share the screen up here. It is the last day for a couple of things. In case you have missed it, let me see if I can pop that up there. There we go. Uh, the CXR... Uh, foundation does an annual scholarship. There is the link right there, cxr.foundation slash scholarship. We try to keep it simple. It is the last day. It's a $10,000 scholarship. So if you are interested or you have someone in the organization or someone on your team or someone in your family uh, who could benefit from that, we'd encourage you to head out to that link, share that link 
We'd encourage you to head out there, go through the application process and check it out as the last day to do it. We have hundreds of people who have filled those out. We will whittle it down to 12. We will do an interview process. It's a whole thing. It's our third year to do it. And we're super proud and super excited of that work that goes on out of the CXR Foundation. That's our nonprofit. Uh, I also want to share with you again, I know I mentioned it earlier, plug, 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 uh, cxr.works slash learning. Uh, and Jerry, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about the foundations of candidate experience. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot for that class. It's the last day for anybody to enroll. It is open uh, to anybody who would like to do that today through the end of the day. So do you want to you want to share a little bit about that with folks? Yeah, I think the bottom line, it's, there's there's basically four of us that took pieces of what we consider to be baseline practices. So almost seatbelt issues, you know, that 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 if you're not doing these, it doesn't matter what fancy stuff you're doing. You need you need to be doing some baseline work in terms of establishing a foundation for how you treat candidates. And I would question if you're not doing those baseline pieces, you're not even recruiting because that's one key stakeholder whose needs are not being met. And I'm convinced that the quality of long-term, the quality of our recruiting process as a profession means that we're meeting some at least minimum needs of all of the stakeholders. And obviously the candidate is a critical one who doesn't necessarily have a champion. Um, so uh, I, I we enjoyed doing it. Uh, it comes from, you know, obviously the experience and the data over 12 years now uh, from the talent board. And uh, there's a great book that uh, Kevin has written, and he's doing more advanced workshops as well. <clears throat> so we are promoting those kinds of things. But we thought a masterclass basically covering some of those basics uh, is going to be important for the future. Wonderful. Well, I'd encourage anybody to check it out, anybody in the space. Uh, you're nuts if you don't. It's free to enroll. Uh, today's the last day, so get in there. Uh, also, lastly, I just want to remind some folks, we have uh, another podcast coming. You get a bonus. Uh, we got a podcast coming up Friday with Kyle Lagunas over at Aptitude Research. So uh, watch for the announcement. That'll go out here shortly after this live stream's over. Uh, and you can join us live, just as you did here, Facebook, Twitter, uh, what is it, LinkedIn, YouTube, all the tubes. We're, we're pushing it out to all the tubes. Uh, so you can join us there. Jerry, anything you want to say to everybody before we say goodnight, Gracie? Uh, goodnight, Gracie. <laughs> there we go. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time. Oh, 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 oh